The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. We do the digging so you don't have to. We've got breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Bringing you the biggest stories from the industry you care about. This is the Media Noise Podcast. Well, let's hear it. Now, here's your host, Dimitri Ravanos. In a little bit, we will talk to Tyler McComas uh, about the Big Ten's media rights negotiations and the far-reaching effects they could have in the world of college sports and college football in particular. Arky Shea is going to make his debut on the Media Noise podcast to talk about the future of Drew Brees as a broadcaster. It is going to be a very football-heavy, very busy show, but before we get into football, let's talk some baseball. So it was announced this week that John Sterling is cutting back his schedule at WFAN as the radio voice of the New York Yankees. He is going to miss somewhere between 25 and 30 games during the second half of the season. He's going to limit the amount of uh, times he's going on the road with the team and uh, and will instead be there not only for every home game, but also regional games, right? He's not going to miss games at Camden Yards, at Fenway Park, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think this is a smart move. I really do, not just because... John Sterling is almost 84 years old, uh, but also because broadcasting is changing, particularly the way games are called on the radio, I think are going to have to evolve soon. And I think that, especially with a traditional audience like baseball fans that consume games on the radio, you're going to kind of want to ease them into that as best you can, right? Like, we have seen this over and over again in all facets of media. We, the individuals involved, don't matter as much anymore as the overall product and how it is consumed, at least in terms of the younger audience, right? So if baseball is going to stay relevant, if these radio play-by-play deals are going to remain an important part of the sport and of teams' revenue uh, streams the way they have been for so long, I think it is time to rethink what a radio broadcast is for a baseball game. Remember a few years ago when everyone freaked out about this idea that WEEI might present the Red Sox uh, as more of a talk show than as a traditional broadcast? I would say get ready. That's probably where we're going. And frankly, and look, I'm in my 40s. I am older I think than the audience this would be targeting, uh, but certainly younger than the generation that grew up with baseball on the radio being a thing to them, right? I don't see what the big deal about that is. I kind of think it's an ideal way to present a sport like baseball on a medium like radio where there is so much time to fill. Let's fill it with conversation. Let's fill it with a little bit less picture painting, a little bit more, I don't know, audience engagement perhaps. I, I think that John Sterling is going to get to say goodbye whenever that time comes, whether it's a year, whether it's two or three years from now, the way he wants to. But I think for the long-term health of WFAN carrying the New York Yankees, starting to slowly roll out elements of what the future of that broadcast might be while we still have Sterling in the fold as sort of an anchor for people to go back to. If they're a little bit uncomfortable with the change right away, it's probably a good business decision. There are a few guys on our staff here that I never have to explain what college football means to uh, the parts of the nation that are not New York and Los Angeles. And uh, one of them is Tyler McComas, who joins me now. 
Tyler, the idea that the Big Ten will be the first conference in college sports, in college football, to get a billion-dollar television contract is not surprising to me. The only thing that is surprising is it didn't happen the last time they were negotiating for television contracts. Yeah, and I wonder if they're in a real unique position of power with OU and Texas about to move to the SEC. Because if you think about it, Fox is huge with Mm -hmm. the Big 12. It's huge with the Big 10. And, I mean, the Pac-12 is in there, but, you know, clearly that 11 a.m. big noon window, it's mostly Big 12 and Big 10 games. Well, Oklahoma and Texas are really the only teams in the Big 12 that rate very well and that you want to put in that big noon game. And not that the Big 12 will stop having, you know, uh, good football games once those two teams leave the conference But if they want to rate in that 11 a.m. slot, I wonder if the Big Ten is saying, you're going to take Cincinnati? You're going to take Houston, UCF, Oklahoma State? Like, If you want to continue to make this work, Fox, you're really going to have to lean on the Big Ten almost exclusively. Not the Pac-12, not the Big 12. It's us. So I I wonder if Fox is having to shell out a ton of money to the Big Ten with the changing landscape of college football. That's kind of what I mean. Like, Fox already has their deal done with the Big Ten, right? They are acting as consultants on this secondary deal. And I I think this must be a situation of, we just don't know the details of that Fox deal because everything you pointed out is not something I'd even thought about. It is all very valid, but it strengthens my point, which is Ohio State year after year is the strongest team in the ratings in college football. That's one. Number two, all of these universities are gigantic, right? It doesn't matter how good Penn State is. It doesn't matter how good Wisconsin is. They have alumni networks all over the country that are going to tune in for these games. Like, Fox must have already shelled out well into the 12 figures uh, to stay in business with the Big Ten if the secondary rights are going to go for a billion dollars. Yeah, no, I I think that's right. I, I do wonder how this changes the landscape of college football as well, because You know, college football is a sport of have and have nots. Yeah. Well, you're an Alabama grad. Um, I cover Oklahoma. We're in pretty good shape with that, right? But if you've never won at a high level before or you don't have a lot of money pouring into the program, sorry, college football, it's just you're just not going to win at a high level. We call it the Power Five when it comes to conferences. But with as much money as the Big Ten is about to get and with as much money as the SEC is making right now, Is there a real chance five years down the road with the amount of money going into those two conferences, we'll still call it the Power Five, I'm sure, Dimitri, but is it really going to be the Power Two in college football? It's the Big Ten, it's the SEC, and everyone else. That's the thing that I think people that don't follow, I mean, college sports in general, but particularly football, I I don't think get, like, yes, the NFL is a made-for-TV sport. Yes, the NBA is going to make a ton of money, what is it, in two years when they're rights? come up on the table no sport is as driven like decisions are not made at a high level based on what is best for tv in any other sport the way they are in college football i mean you're right like things are going to separate more and more and more in terms of who has what i mean look espn has a deal in place with the sec they have already agreed to financial terms and by adding texas and oklahoma it completely changes The contract, television's influence on this sport, for better at times, for worse at other times, cannot be put into context if you do not follow this sport day in and day out. Right. And I know that, you know, these networks, probably especially Fox, man, trying to re-engage the West Coast when it comes to college football. 
I don't know if it's solely dependence, but you got to think there's a lot at stake right now with USC. Mm-hmm. All the excitement that's there with Lincoln Riley getting hired. If this doesn't work out for Lincoln Riley at USC, if he doesn't live up to the lofty expectations, if he takes the, I don't know, the LA Chargers job in two years, is this kind of the, I don't know, even know if it's last-ditch effort, but I don't know, is this the last-ditch effort for the Pac-12 to get back to relevance and get some of those eyeballs that they feel like they've lost over the Pac-12? Decade. It's it's a really interesting question because the next thing I was going to ask you is along the lines of that old business theory of a uh, rising tide lifts all boats. I mean, the Pac-12 are going to be the next power conference whose rights come on the table. And I look at one network specifically, and it is the network I wrote about earlier this week. I think NBC so desperately needs something to pair with Notre Dame on Saturdays to make that college football product better. The Big Ten makes a lot of sense. Like, you can have that same sort of, like, we love the smell of our own farts kind of prestige-level <laughs> programs involved. But if they don't get the Big Ten, let's say, or I'm sorry, yeah, the Big Ten, let's say the Big Ten chooses to keep that secondary package with ESPN, or they go digital and it goes to Amazon, whatever the case may be, I think we could be looking at a deal for the Pac-12 where people like you and me that love this sport go, huh, really? But the number is going to be staggering. I I really do believe that whatever the Big Ten gets is going to set the Pac-12 up in a great way. Not that they'll surpass the Big Ten, but it's going to make the Pac-12 that much more valuable because now the big fish is uh, is out of the pond. So you feel like the Big Ten's deal is very similar to NFL free agency or NBA free agency. Once <laughs> one guy sets the market, then everyone behind him is going to benefit off of it. I I actually totally agree with that. So Yeah, that's yeah, right. I, the I, the I, Pac-12 I, stands to be Andre Drummond getting a max deal. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so Pac-12 football fans, I know you hate USC. I get it. But in some weird, odd way, it probably wouldn't be the worst thing for the conference if Lincoln Riley gets it going and and ends up going to the college football playoff. I do love, by the way, you mentioned your article on NBC and Notre Dame. I wholeheartedly agree with it because this is where Notre Dame football lives. This is where it's at. You know where it's going to be. And you're totally right, man. It doesn't feel like they care at all what the broadcast looks like. We're just going to throw Jason Garrett in on Notre Dame. Like That's one of the oddest fits I think I've ever seen for a broadcast team. Yeah, I mean, listen, they did it last year, right? Like, what, what, what excuse did Drew Brees have being on the Notre Dame broadcast? I mean, we are getting into that point where it's not just you haven't gotten guys from Notre Dame. It's now you are going out and getting guys, and this is the case of Brees, right? that literally played at an in-state rival instead of adding some sort of Notre Dame flavor to the broadcast. Feels like a minor league system almost. Like, all right, this guy wants to get into broadcasting. Let's see if he's any good. We'll throw him on the Notre Dame football broadcast. And if he's any good, then we'll do something else better with him. But for right now, let's put him in the minors. Let's put him with Notre Dame. Got it. I know we've gone on for a bit, but I think this is a really good place to end it. Like when when you look at what the Big Ten stands to get here from not just one, but two media rights deals. If you're Notre Dame and you're getting $15 million a year from NBC, how are you not rushing to join a conference? I, I, we've been asking that for decades now. It doesn't make any sense now. The newest addition to uh, Barrett Sports Media is my guy, Arky Shea, a guy I've been friends with for quite some time. Arky writing not only columns, but all kinds of news for us as well. And Arky, yesterday you put up the story about Drew Brees officially 
out now at NBC. And I don't quite know how to read this. On the one hand, you could say that NBC is leaving him free to pursue other opportunities. The other way you could say this is NBC is very clearly painting a picture of how they felt about Drew Brees' services calling football games. Uh, I think it's uh, definitely the latter. Uh, by the way, I appreciate you uh, uh, introing that with you didn't quite know how to read it and wasn't talking about my syntax. That's right. good. Um, I, I'm curious because NBC is very like invested in like the NFL product, right? Like they sure. are completely into it. Not so much it feels like from Notre Dame, like the way they sort of play around with uh, that broadcast team uh, and, uh, and, and, and host and shows around it. Um, and when you try to sort of integrate a little bit with with the Drew Brees fresh off of, you know, spending 150 years in the NFL, you know, I, I kind of feel like that they sort of took a shot on Drew Brees. It did come out the way they wanted. So this was sort of the quiet way to say, all right, because if you really like Drew Brees, you're not saying we won't stand in the way of another opportunity. Right, exactly. I mean, I, I don't think you're getting rid of him or I guess letting him walk after one year to go elsewhere. You know, if if we operated in this business with common sense, this would be a sort of red flag, right? This is why you don't hand out the big deal to guys that have not even quit playing football yet to even have the audition to see if they are any good. But here we are just, what, a month removed from uh, the Tom Brady news. I I wonder if now that NBC has pulled the trigger, I wonder, and I know you don't have the answer, but just speculate with me, how much is Fox now, how much effort does Fox put into making sure they're not doing the same thing after one year with Tom Brady? Man, it's got to be huge. It's got to be so much coaching and effort. The kind of money you're giving Tom Brady Part of that feels like it has to be like he's going to glad hand sponsors too. Right. Because if you've seen anything with Tom Brady speaking social media, there is nothing to think that Tom Brady is going to be worth $400 million <laughs> over 10 years to be in a booth calling the game, that that's what you're interested in anyway, you know? So so let me ask you this, because that is interesting. I, you're right that there's nothing that says, oh, worth $400 million, but you can look at Tom Brady on social media, you can see him in more off-the-cuff kind of interviews and at least see that he has a personality, right? From the day mm -hmm. that Drew Brees got hired by NBC, I I've been hammering this home and I will continue to say it because it is the truth. The next time I see Drew Brees say something interesting will be the first time I see Drew Brees say something interesting. Like, to me, the pursuit of Brees... Uh, not just the fact that he landed with NBC, but the fact that ESPN at that time was really going hard after him for Monday Night Football never made any sense. Tom Brady is Tom Brady. I, I guess it is easy enough to justify it that way. But I also wonder if Fox is sort of pulling up these examples and going, oh, well, look, he's starting from a better place. I would hope so. But I think if you're talking about the personality you think you're getting out of Tom Brady, it may just be a personality it's just not a very good one right like it's not a very interesting one i think that would bring the kind of eyeballs to the game that you weren't normally expecting outside of maybe the first two weeks because again they're on the number one game so it's going to be the number one uh the number one teams playing the most people care about and get and gather a buku's ratings maybe you sort of integrate that a lot with the social media and that's what you're also trying to buy the drew Brees thing i think it's so fascinating because what you exactly what you mentioned there is zero 
things in the entire world that have ever been said by Drew Brees that you would think, <laughs> if I could just give him all the money I got, or give it really, to come over here, it's going to be worth it. I think you got to be careful with some of these very polished quarterback types because you may get a decent broadcaster or analyst, but the type of money you're throwing out for a, for a Tony Rowe and now for a Tom Brady, it feels like it has to be more than just someone that's kind of sort of aware of football. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying all along, let's cut the bullshit and just put Randy Moss and uh, Phil Rivers in the booth and make it country as hell. That is the ideal booth at this point. Uh, for the NFL. All right, so let's talk about Drew Brees going forward. I mean, this is a pretty public failure, whether this is NBC getting rid of him or whether this is him walking away, you know, stomping his feet because he didn't get exactly what he wanted. Like, you know, NBC decided that they were better off with Chris Collinsworth uh, in the in the booth for the foreseeable future than making that switch to Drew Brees, which was apparently the plan all along. Um, there had been reports that perhaps Fox would look at him for their number two NFL booth. I, I really wonder if there is a bounce back in the world of broadcasting for Drew Brees. I know it's hard to just write him off given what his standing is in the history of professional football, but it does seem like there's something of a cautionary tale attached to this guy now. Oh, a huge one because what he needs is kind of what Greg Olson got, right? He like, he needs the chance to be able to not be, the premier voice NBC has one game and then the playoffs. like they have one right. game a week and the playoffs when he got onto that wild card game uh with, with the with the Cincinnati and Las Vegas like it it wasn't great uh by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination him in the booth so he needs a chance if you're not this dynamic personality that just exudes what Tony Romo did with the knowledge thing the pre-play knowledge that you got or that's kind of interesting and compelling like a John Gruden was and then what we assumed Peyton Manning was going to be when if he got a chance to sort of uh, hop in the booth and be that guy full-time then you need a chance to go get your feet wet where you're not the focus of these games because then that is what we always talk about in this media industry reps man you need reps and you can't get thrown into an NFL wild card game expect to be any good like it's just it's not Feasible. That is where we are going to say goodbye to this week. Thank you to Arky. Thank you to Tyler both for making time for us. Uh, today on Monday, we have a very cool announcement at the website. A, a very big thing is happening. So check out the website on Monday. We will talk about it uh, next week during the show as well. All right. Talk to you next week, everybody. This concludes our broadcast day. Thanks for listening to the Media Noise Podcast with Dimitri Ravanos. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review and check back soon for new episodes. To stay up to date on the latest sports media happenings, visit BarrettSportsMedia.com.